So, yeah, I'm the director of OSSM, the Orlando School of Supernatural Ministry. Sounds very official. We call it awesome, OSSM. Yeah, no big deal. Um, so anyway, you guys can call me Director Dave. I would prefer that, actually. Not a, not a joke, but okay. So um, the school's going great. We have 13 people this year. Uh, and actually, let's have our students raise your hands. Yeah, yeah. Woo! These guys rock. They're, they're doing amazing. I'm, I'm just like so blessed at what an easy class it is. Don't take that as permission to start being difficult, Phil. But um, yeah, it's amazing. We, we actually, I'm just like flabbergasted at, at the blessing that we have this year because we actually have this, I think you guys heard Andrew talk about how we've been invited by the city of Altamont uh, to go to their little festivals they do at the park, Crane's Roost. So like they're inviting our church. It's a four to $500 uh, process, a, a fee to, to go to these events. Like, um, and so we get to go every week. So that's like 20 grand or something like that, that, that they're giving, just letting us do this for free. So really amazing. The cool thing is, you know, I'm from Indianapolis. It gets cold in the winter and outreach can be difficult because you have to like go to the mall or something. And you're like trying to talk to Christmas shoppers and that's not a good thing to do. And uh, so I was just really wanting, like, somehow to do ministry and, and, like, outreach year-round, especially with the school, because outreach has, like, two purposes. Well, it has a lot of purposes, but my two favorite, um, it's amazing practice for, like, everybody in the school. It's amazing practice for people to practice being their natural, supernatural selves outside of church, because we get to do it a lot in church, but we don't get that many opportunities in a structured environment to do it outside of the walls of church. So this is a really amazing thing that's happened because it allows all of our students for pretty much the entire year to have this little structured group to practice being supernatural, to give people prophetic words, to pray for healing. It's amazing. Um, the other purpose of outreach is just to have a presence, like uh, in the community. When we were at Crane's Roost, we just did it this past Friday, so two days ago, and it was their Friday night live thing. So they had like a band up there, live music. And so there's all these vendors. On one side of the stage uh, is us. We're actually, we'd be over here. We're on the left side. Uh, and then on the other side of the stage is the tarot card readers and the actual psychics. And we're, they, they're charging for all of their services. And we have our booth on the opposite side that says free spiritual readings. <laughs> and so I think we may have messed up their mojo a little bit. <laughs> Who wants to go pay when you got the free thing right here, right? And so we had a pretty steady flow of people in there. Uh, I was just so proud of our class. Um, this was like the first real outreach we had done as a class. And so we're, we're setting up these signs that say free spiritual readings. We also have a sign. I'm a little sarcastic if you haven't picked up on that. We have a sign that says free healing or pain, question mark, sickness, question mark, free healing, physician's assistance. So we're the, we're the physician's assistance because he's the physician. And so we're out there assisting people. And, um, and so we invite people to come up and we just give them a quote unquote spiritual reading, which is just prophecy, words of knowledge, woman at the well type of stuff, you know, where Jesus read that lady's mail. And it had a big effect on her life and her entire town's life. 
so that's kind of the basis for what we do. And our students just jumped right in. Super proud of these guys. They were amazing. I wanted to share a couple testimonies of what happened, if that's all right. Yes? Okay. All right. Good. I wanted your permission. All right. So, uh, Jermaine, there he is, everyone. Wow. Jermaine got two people to stand for him. He's not even speaking. So, um, Jermaine, uh, I got permission from him to share this because this is kind of like a little template for anybody who thinks this is weird and scary and horrifying and like, wow, I can't even imagine being out in public doing spiritual readings and calling myself a physician's assistant when I'm not and all these different things. Well, Jermaine, uh, Jermaine jumped right in and he was sitting in a group. We do it in groups of three, so it's, it's not intimidating. You're on a team and you can all try and get words for this person. So they had, uh, was it a couple that was there? Two ladies that, that sat across from you, Joe, and Diane, right? If you don't know Joe and Diane, they're, they're awesome. They're seasoned pros at this thing, and uh, they're a big asset to us out there, but they're also in the school. And, um, and Joe and Diane are giving some words. It's, it's flowing. Things are connecting. And Diane can tell that Jermaine's got something because he's wringing his hands, you know, like this. And, um, and, you know, maybe rubbing his head a little bit. And uh, eventually, uh, Joe and Diane gave everything that they had. And, and Diane, being the feisty lady that she is, she's not here either. So, man, I hope she didn't listen to the recording. Um, so being the feisty woman that she is, she looks over at Jermaine. She says, what do you got? It's like, okay, thanks, Diane, for easing him in. And uh, Jermaine had something. And he, he said... You saw her being a teacher, right? Having a, a teaching gift and, and that she just had a, a lot of influence in the teaching arena. And uh, the lady, uh, obviously affected by this, says, wow, I'm a teacher. That's her profession. So Jermaine got it. Boom. On the spot. Exactly right. I mean, that's, that's like, I couldn't hope for anything more than something that accurate. The person's profession, the very first time the guy does it, maybe forced to do it a little bit, but the very first time Jermaine does it, steps out, I mean, that's, that's the Jesus we got. He's just backing us up every step of the way. It's so good. We can't screw it up. We're not big enough to screw it up. Um, and then there was another one. Um, Joe and Diane actually had a really cool, and there was probably one of our students sitting with them, but they had a really cool thing where an older couple came up and um, they gave them a lot of words of knowledge and prophecy that was right on. They were confirming this stuff was really accurate. So they were already getting affected. And then the lady said she had like a bunch of arthritis. Any of our students remember this lady? She had four places of arthritis? No? Okay. Well, anyway. Um, so she, she like starts to tell them where, where all of her arthritis is in her body. And they start to pray for it, each one, one by one. And one by one, each place gets healed. <laughs> she, says, she says she feels heat and tingling in each place they, heal, they, they pray for her. And then she's so affected and doesn't know what to do and doesn't have a grit for this. She asks, she asks them if they're doing some sort of uh, Reiki. Yeah, Reiki. I don't, I don't mess with that. So I don't know what it's called. But it's a new age healing thing. Uh, if you guys do know what that is, we're going to have to talk after this. Um, but no. Um, so she's like so affected. Are you guys doing Reiki on me? And they're like, no, Jesus just wants to heal you because he loves you. She's like, wow, isn't that amazing? 
I love it, man. I love it. So it's just easy ministry, and it's a really cool atmosphere to practice. So we're going to be doing this all year long. I'll have a plethora of testimonies for you guys. All right. What should we talk about? Okay. I'll do it. I'll do it, Phil. All right. So I've spoken twice here now. The first one uh, was about being comfortable with being uncomfortable. You guys remember that one? Uh, The crowd was much smaller, but um, for those of you who got it, awesome. I'm going to recap my first two messages before I begin today, and I'm going to go through them one by one. I'm just kidding. That would take a really long time. My wife informed me that I have the tendency to speak for a while. She said I like to speak, and I was very subtle. And I'm like, sweetie, I bless the church. I'm such a gift to them. <laughs> Something like that. So, <laughs> so anyway, we'll, we'll be done by 2, I promise. Actually, I have to be done by 12, no later than 1230, because the reason I'm dressed like this is because I go to work on Sundays. You guys are special, but I don't dress up like this for just anybody, <laughs> just for my employers, pretty much. So um, the first time I spoke, being comfortable with being uncomfortable, that there's a lot of growth that comes from, from putting yourself in stretching situations, and that when we get to a place of comfortability with those being in those types of situations, that's where we can really start to grow. Uh, spiritually, just in our lives, it's a practical thing. The world knows this. Um, you know, there's a million examples, lifting weights, whatever you want to say. But putting yourself in uncomfortable situations continually and being okay with that is how you grow. So that was the first message. That sounds really good, doesn't it? Okay. And then the second message was on um, basically a brief history of revival. Um, and I talked about... Um, how for 400 years uh, after Jesus left the planet, uh, signs and wonders, miracles, that was normal stuff. Uh, Basically, the book of Acts went on for about 400 years after Jesus exited. And it was a normal place. Things were flowing. People were getting healed. The church was known for power and love during that 400-year period. The gospel spread like wildfire. That was a large part of what did that was this powerful gospel that was going out. And then after that 400-year period, things changed. I don't know. Some bad teaching got in there. I'm sure some bad doctrine got in there. Obviously, persecution was a role in that. Um, but from roughly, I'm just going to go through this really quickly, 400 to 1530, this is like the medieval ages, right? So there were basically no signs and wonders. It just dropped off the map. From 1520 to 1570, so another 50 years after that, there was a, a little bit. This is when the Protestant Reformation came. So there was a few stories of miracles here and there, but it was very spotty. From 1720 to 1740, they call this the first great awakening, and they were, there were some, some miracles, but, but still no expectancy of healing on a broad spectrum. That revelation just disappeared from the church. It wasn't around that we can all heal, that we all have a part to play. And then finally, the last bullet point here, the second great awakening happened in the early 1800s. Lots of salvations propelling the holiness movement after this, uh, but there was still no revelation or expectancy for healing until about 1850. From 1850 to 1950, you have a bunch of people come on the scene like Andrew Murray, 
John Alexander Dowie, Mariah Woodworth Etter, John G. Lake, Smith Wigglesworth, Amy Simple McPherson, Catherine Kuhlman, Oral Roberts. A lot of cool people, right? Um, People I want to be like. Um, But the difference was you had these icons of Christianity, and it wasn't spread throughout the body. The saints looked up to these icons. These guys weren't doing anything wrong. They were blazing the trail. But the big difference is there was no revelation that everyone could play, that this was for the entire body, that every saint had the same Holy Spirit residing right here in them. And so there was, it shouldn't be an icon, but it should be a body, right? And that revelation really didn't pop on the scene until somewhat recently. Uh, when you look at church history, I mean, really recently, when you consider the, the history as a whole, and that's when a lot of the teaching about, you know, that we have the same Holy Spirit happening is going on. And, and all of a sudden, you have all these little training and equipping schools throughout the, the world, really. Um, you can look on Bethel's website and, and see all their different schools. And I mean, when I, when I first did the school in 2009, I, I looked at their website and it was like a few. And now it's just all over the place. This is just the season we're in, a season of equipping and, and honestly, something that only God could have done, this revelation has just entered back into the church body that everybody has a role to play. It wasn't even available before then. Okay, there you go. So that was a synopsis of what I talked about. That lays a little bit of the foundation. So really, I want to explain what the point of the school is and who I am, what, what my heart is, uh, so you can kind of know where I'm going, if you haven't figured that out by now. Um, I guess at the end of the day, what I want for our students, what I want for myself, and what I really want for the entire body of Christ is to restore the standard that Christ set. Christ was the standard. You know, uh, he was the one who blazed the trail first. And that standard was met for 400 years after he left the earth People were living up to that standard of signs and wonders and boldness for the gospel. And then it went away. My you know, heart is to get back to that standard that he set. I want to get back to that 400-year period before the bad doctrine, the persecution happened, whatever happened that drove that truth out of the church. I want to get back to that time because in my heart of hearts, I really believe that is where we're headed I really believe that, honestly, we can't screw that up. I think God is just doing that. Um, but we have a role to play uh, to get back to that standard. Uh, part, of the, you know, part of the reason um, that Jesus was the standard is because you guys know the scripture about him restricting himself you know, to the abilities of a man. Uh, Philippians 2, 5 through 7, I think it is. Um, he talks about you know, he is 100% God. But, uh, you know, he didn't, he didn't want to operate uh, in this world as God. He restricted himself to the abilities of a normal man. And uh, out of that, we see our example. If Jesus would have come and just said, hey, I'm God, let's do some miracles, bing, 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 then it wouldn't have been like an awesome example for us because we're not God. But instead, he said, okay, I am 100% God, but for the sake of this example, I'm going to be 100% man for you. And the way I relate to my father, the way I relate to the Holy Spirit, the way I relate to the world is going to be exactly like you can. And it was an invitation to join him in that, right? Everybody understanding that? 
This brings me to my first point. I'm a really practical guy, so I like to give practical application for how we can go about restoring that standard. If that is the end goal, to shine Jesus to the world, to represent Jesus to the world, or to represent Jesus to the world, if that is where we're trying to get to, that place that they were sitting in for 400 years after he left, then I want to give us some practical steps to get there. There's a lot of stuff I could probably talk about. I'm going to, I'm going to bring up three points. I could honestly talk about each of these points for at least an entire message. But I don't speak that often, and I wanted to give you all three. Uh, so maybe jot them down, take them home, dwell on these points. There, there's a lot to them uh, that we could unpack on another date. Uh, but we're not going to do that today. I'm just going to kind of give you an overview because I want to give you some practical stuff to be thinking about. The first thing is, it starts with an encounter. This isn't going to work unless we have an encounter first. We have to have an encounter. All throughout Scripture, people who were being used by God, people who needed transformation to walk into their destiny that God was calling them to, they had an encounter. It started with an encounter. I could literally read off probably a half hour's worth of examples of people who had an encounter, an external encounter with God, and after that, they were changed, and they went into their destiny. Moses is a good one. That guy was very fearful, right? And uh, he just went along with his business, didn't want to participate. He had an encounter, and he got changed. Mary, Paul, even Jesus... If Jesus came to set the example, he had an encounter where the Holy Spirit came on him when he got baptized, right? That was his encounter. It, I mean, of all the people to have an encounter, he's setting the example. Even Jesus needed an encounter before he went off and, and went into ministry. That's a pretty big deal because if, if Jesus needed it, I need it, right? So... It has to start from a place of encounter. It has to start from that because when we have an encounter with God, we're actually having an encounter with love himself, you know? So if you're not starting from a place of love, I can pretty much guarantee you're starting from the wrong place. If we're going to shine Jesus, if we're going to represent or represent him to the world, it has to be on a foundation of love. You guys have seen, as well as I have, plenty of people who are very bold, and, uh, and have very little fear about man or the world, but they don't have a foundation of love. And that message is going through one ear and out the other to the world. That doesn't do anything. It doesn't bring change. When it's founded on something other than love, it is not a really effective message. The world is pretty sick of that message. What the world doesn't know how to handle is when we approach them in unconditional love. They're ready for a fight. When we come with love as our foundation, it catches them off guard and opens up hearts. So it has to start with that encounter with love himself. Otherwise, we're just starting on the wrong platform. How you go about getting that encounter? Well, here's the good news. He's ready to encounter you. He's not hiding. He's not shying away. You need that love encounter. And Jesus needed it, not only once, but continually. When you look at the life of Jesus, it's always talking about him creeping away, right? creeping away to find a, a quiet place to get along with, with God. What's that? Yeah, he's a creep. JK, JK, he knows I'm kidding. Um, 
if Jesus needed not just one encounter, but several encounters, a daily encounter with his father to, uh, you know, figure out his will, to recharge his batteries, to renew his mind, then how much do we need it? That is the first place we start from, and it's an excellent, really practical way that you guys can start, that we can start, you know, getting back to that standard that Jesus set. That's the first thing. That was a priority for him, right? Before anything else, he was going to get his encounter with his father that day before he started all this other stuff. And that's an invitation for us to participate in that. There's no more veil, right? It is an open heaven, free access. There's no more sin that's going to get in the way. We're not on a totem pole of our sin. God isn't looking at us and saying, oh, you have to do a little bit better today before I'm going to encounter you. If he were to consider our sin when he goes to encounter us, he would be neglecting the work of Christ on the cross. He'd be saying, Jesus, I know what you did, but it wasn't quite good enough today. I'm going to wait to encounter this person for a little longer. No, Jesus vanquished sin cleansed it once and for all. So we have free access to go and get our encounter every single day. Maybe an encounter looks like 10 minutes of your time in the morning, reflecting on Jesus. I can have an encounter at this point in my life almost any time I want, just by tuning out the world, maybe closing my eyes, just reflecting on the work that Jesus did. And that, that changes me more than anything. If I need boldness, I'm going to go to my encounter spot. I'm going to get an encounter with God. That's going to give me love for my fellow man and boldness to carry that out, right? So that's where we start. Simple stuff. Go get your encounter. It's available today. The second one, and this is a big one. What's that? I'm a salesman. By the end of this, you're all going to be signing up for the school. All right, okay. The second point. Again, these are big topics, but I'm giving you bullet points because I want you to leave here thinking about a few things. The second one is um, something that the church, something really that, that the world has not done a great job of, and that is how will you react when you feel fear? It's up to you how you respond to fear because you need an encounter, that changes you. That example was set by Jesus. It's available. We need to have an encounter to start on the right level. But that doesn't mean you're not going to feel afraid. If you go to Walmart, you see someone that needs Jesus represented to them. You see someone that needs Jesus represented to them. Maybe you feel like you're supposed to tell this person, hey, I just felt like God wanted me to tell you that he really loves you and he has you on his mind. Or maybe you actually get a word of knowledge for them and, and you, you, God tells you that they're struggling financially and, and, and he just wants you to know that it's going to be okay. Or, or maybe they're walking around with a crutch or a cane and uh, you need to go pray for them. That takes courage. And this is not a real spiritual thing. This is a practical thing. You can have every encounter you want, but eventually when you're out there at Walmart, you're going to have a decision to make. How do you react to your fear? How do you, how do you react when you feel that little thing of fear going on in, in, your, in your soul? It's up to you. Like, good example, I was in, I'm still in business, but I was in business in Indianapolis for about six years. And 
uh, I had a lot of interesting business experiences, some of which weren't real great. I was put in charge of a company at the age of 26. Nah, not a great idea. And um, I learned a lot from that experience. I learned, I learned how to talk to people who have more power than you do in the business realm, which I didn't know at first. And um, I actually had, was put in kind of crazy situations where the, the owner of the biggest builder in Indiana... I would negotiate with this guy in his office, hostile negotiations a lot of times. Um, and throughout that six-year period, I found myself reacting to anxiety, reacting to fear that I, was gonna get, I wasn't going to get enough out of this negotiation or, man, they're going to take advantage of us. They're going to take advantage of our company. I would find myself continually reacting out of that place instead of a place of faith. It took me a long time to realize that I don't have to react and respond to my fear, but I can, I can go off a different standard of faith that God has put me in this position to succeed, and I have favor from him to succeed. And it wasn't until recently that I realized that and have started implementing that into my current situation. And a lot of you know I'm going through some crazy, awesome work stuff right now some stuff that could be the subject of a book one day. I feel like it's the most amazing favor that's ever happened to any man, let alone me. And um, I'm being dramatic. But it is awesome. It is so cool. And I, I'm contentionally pinching myself. Is this real life, God? And throughout this process of my current job that I've had for two and a half months, uh, I find myself analyzing how I'm feeling. Okay, this looks scary from the outside, uh, I don't know if this is going to work out. Um, I'm feeling some anxiety. Are they going to take advantage of me? Is this going to function like it's supposed to here, God? And instead of writing an email to my employer based off of that anxiety and fear, I'm saying, okay, wait a second. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to trust that Jesus has me in this spot, and I'm going to respond out of faith instead of fear. It's, it's up to you how you want to react. I mean... 2 Timothy 1.7, he hasn't given us a spirit of fear and timidity, right? But of power, love, and discipline. So when you feel the fear, remind yourself, wait a second, that's not from him. I don't have to respond out of fear. I'm responding out of power and love and self-discipline. That's the place I live my life from, is out of that spirit. And so when you're out and about, you have to say to yourself, okay, I'm feeling this fear, but how am I actually going to respond? You guys heard the, the story about Lowe's, right, when I uh, encountered that, that lady? Okay, I'll tell you again if you want to hear it. Um, so uh, at Lowe's, I've been dwelling on some Bill Johnsonisms about how uh, I'm a carrier of the Holy Spirit. I'm HS positive, you know. I'm, when I walk into Lowe's, all of heaven's resources are walking in with me. Uh, it's not just me, but I'm an ambassador of heaven. I might be a consumer at the current moment, but I'm actually a vendor of heaven. Hey, who can I vend heaven to right now? And I see uh, a Lowe's worker with a cane, and I'm thinking she needs some vending machine action from heaven. So I walk over there, and she starts talking to two of her coworkers. It's getting a little scary in here, and I don't like it. And when you feel that, you have an opportunity to react to the fear or to the faith, right? This is not a real spiritual thing. This is a practical thing we can actually grow in. 
Fear and reacting to fear is a learned behavior. When we feel fear, we've learned to go from it. Oh, I'm feeling fear right here. I'm going to go in the opposite direction so that I feel not fear anymore, so I feel safe and secure, so that I don't feel anxiety. It's a learned behavior to step away from fear and go to a safe place. Well, that's not real prohibitive to restoring the standard that Jesus set because you're going to come up against fear, and if you're always running from it, you're never making an opportunity for God to show up and do something crazy through you, right? right. Yeah. So I encountered fear, and I said, eh, fear's not really my boss today. Faith is my boss. I'm going to trust that I'm here for a reason. I'm going to trust that I actually am a vendor of heaven. And so I go up to this lady with her two coworkers watching, and I said, hey, you know, what's going on with your leg? Do you have a problem? And she says, oh, I got a bunch of problems. I had hip replacement, and now I have arthritis, and it hurts in my hip all the way down to my leg. She says, are you a doctor? I said, kind of. <laughs> I really did. I don't know why. I said, kind of. I was watching some Todd White stuff <laughs> earlier, and that'll mess you up. Yeah. I had too much boldness that day. <laughs> And um, I said, kind of, um, I'm actually a physician's assistant. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what are these words coming out of my mouth? But I was going to explain that to her and tell her why I'm a physician's assistant. But uh, I found a way out of it, not having to explain. And I just said, actually, I'd love to just pray for you if that's all right. And she said, sure. I think she thought I was going to take this home to my prayer closet. Uh, and I said, can I put my hand on your shoulder? She said, oh, Okay. And her coworkers are standing there watching this, and I pray, Jesus, really complicated prayer. All I get out is Jesus. And she goes, oh, I can feel it working. I'm like, awesome, because I can't. <laughs> I'm glad one of us can. And that's all I got out was Jesus. She looks at her coworkers, and she says, I swear to God. And then she covers her mouth. She's like, oh. I said, don't worry about it. It's okay. It's all right. And she said, I said, explain to me what you're feeling. And she says, there's tingling up and down my leg and my hip, and I have no pain anymore. I'm like, this is a good start to healing. I like it. <laughs> so uh, one of her coworkers that's watching says, ooh, get me. I need healing. So I'm thinking, what have I done? And um, we step outside, same drill. He has lower back pain, put my hand on his back. All I get out is Jesus. And he goes, whoa, what are you doing to me? I said, I'm just praying for you, man. And he goes, oh, I can't explain it. Something's going on back there. He, I tell him to test it out. He bends down, no pain. He's asking me 35 questions after this. Do you have a special gift in healing? I'm like, no, man, it's just Jesus. He wanted to do this for you. And I'm like, do you know Jesus? And he's like, yeah, he takes out a cross. And he's like, I just didn't know he wanted to heal me. I'm like, yes, he does, my man. That was a situation where I could have reacted out of, oh, I'm in public. I, I'm in Lowe's. This is very awkward. Oh, she went up and talked to a couple coworkers. That's Jesus telling me I don't need to talk to her. <laughs> Thank you, God, for the sign. I'm out. <laughs> but instead, I, I positioned myself by having an encounter that morning, renewing my mind, and even when I'm walking into Lowe's, reminding myself, I'm a vendor of heaven in here. Just repositioning myself. I went from consumer trying to get something from my environment to a vendor. I'm giving out stuff today at Lowe's. Who needs it? And, and that's the encounter, and that's the faith. Not reacting to fear, but out of truth and faith of who we are, who God has made us, and who he is. He wants to encounter him more than you do. Trust me, I didn't want to encounter him that day. He came, though. If faith isn't required in my relationship with God, then you're probably playing it too safe. If you're looking back at your last week 
and you can't think of an opportunity where you had to rely on God to show up, there's a good chance you're playing it too safe. That's tough to hear. We don't like hearing that. But then again, we have a long way before that standard is restored, don't we? Here's the good news. It's never a guilt thing. All you're doing is bringing your faith and your boldness. That's what we bring to the equation. I can't heal this person on my own gifting or power. It's the Holy Spirit in me that's doing it. All I'm doing is bringing my risk and my boldness. If we can bring that, he's going to bring the rest. He brings the encounter to these people. So it's never a guilt thing, but you do have to overcome how you react to that fear. Is this making sense? Okay, last thing. This isn't the last point as much as you would like that. Um, Last thing about fear. The presence of fear is not the opposite of faith. Okay? So when you're in Lowe's, you don't have to just do it in Lowe's. You can do it other places. But Lowe's seems to be where the anointing is. That and Starbucks. When you're in Lowe's and, and you feel this fear, don't think to yourself, oh, I just don't have the faith today. Because that couldn't be further from the truth. You can give yourself right then and there a booster shot of faith. Remind yourself who you are. Remind yourself who he is. And practice. Practice makes perfect. First couple of times I did this, it was pretty darn awkward. But I got over it and I got better at it. And I learned how to talk to strangers without really freaking them out. <laughs> but the presence of that fear is not the opposite of faith. Really, the opposite of faith is giving power to that fear, is reacting out of that place of fear and putting fear in charge instead of faith. That is the opposite of faith. When we let fear mandate how we react and how we respond, that is the opposite. It's okay to be afraid. You, you want that encounter, and that's what brings your foundation for you, just like Jesus had every single day, but you're still going to encounter fear. And this is an important practical thing to know because sometimes we mystify this whole thing so much where we just think, oh, I don't have the anointing yet, or I haven't been given the gift of faith enough yet. You know, we always set up parameters for us so that we don't actually have to start doing this stuff. And it it gives us a safe place to stay in because when we think we're not ready yet, then we don't have to actually participate. It's the safest place to be is, oh, I'm not ready yet. Keep working on me, Jesus. Bill Johnson uh, was asked a question in school uh, one time in their school over there in, in California. One of the students said, hey, you know, this all sounds good, Bill, what you're talking about, but um, I'll, start, uh, I'll start doing this stuff when I have more of, of the holiness and, and, and the uh, power that Jesus walked in in my life. When I can see that, then I'll start doing this stuff. And Bill's response was, who gave you permission to put a time frame on when you're going to start fulfilling the Great Commission? Ouch! It's like, yeah, wait a second. He didn't, he didn't put a bunch of parameters on this. He just said, go. And what can stand in our way? Well, not having an encounter, getting swept up in life, and fear, how we respond to it. It's a really practical thing. Start punching fear in the face every day. Whatever you have to do to get out of that comfort zone. Because we're not going to restore that standard Jesus set if we stay in our comfort zone. I don't see that happening. We got to get out of the comfort zone. And again, this isn't a guilt thing. You can leave here thinking this is a guilt thing. That, oh man, I got all this work to do. No, that's why you need the encounter. Because when you encounter love himself, it's not a thing of of works anymore. It's a thing of love where you are experiencing love from heaven and you want to give it to people. That's our foundation. If you're feeling that guilt, go back to your place of encounter. 
That's where we get it. That's where we get our foundation. Okay, last thing. This is a little tricky. I want to talk about co-laboring a little bit. I'm doing good on time. See, sweetie? I can be concise. Um, okay. So in our class this past Thursday, OSSM, awesome, we were watching a video by Chris Valentin. You guys know who he is? Any of you? He's a cool guy. Um, he's talking about how the devil is really sneaky in his uh, attacks of Christians and how the devil most of the time will come and overemphasize a truth that we already believe because that's an easier method to get Christians off track, right? It's really not his easiest thing to start convincing us that, you know, we need like uh, some weird witchcraft thing in the church in order to see God come back or, you know, just something way out of left field that's just not even founded on truth. He likes to work from a place of truth and operate from there. It's a lot sneakier and he gets us to believe things a little bit too much. Like there's a lot of examples, but Churches that uh, have had the Word of God overemphasized. They put all of their hope in the Word of God and nothing in experience with God, never experiencing God. They put everything into the Bible and what the Bible does. It's a truth. We need the Bible. We need the Word of God. But we also need the experiential part of it, right? So the devil comes and pollutes that truth, overemphasizes it to the point where they have all of their hope in the Word. Same thing, opposite end of the spectrum. We've seen that. Churches put all of their hope in an experience with God. They say, forget the word. I have a living God here that I'm react, re- interacting with. Uh, this, is, this is what we put our faith in. And they just forget about the word of God. This is a truth we need an experience with God. We need an encounter with God, but we also need the word. That's what we line things up with. There's a million examples. People overemphasize prophecy where all you have in the church is prophecy. People overemphasize teaching where they put all their hope on teaching. Who can be the best teacher? Before I give the next example, because this is what I want to talk about, I want to set the stage a little bit so you assume the best about me. I love prayer, okay? I love intercession. I think intercession is important. I think it's vitally important. I think it's necessary. I think we need it in the church. I pray. I would encourage you to pray. These are good things. Do you hear me right now? Okay. Remember that. I think, this is my personal belief, that the church in a very wide uh, capacity has, over, has gotten the spiritual truth of intercession and prayer overemphasized in their, in their minds. And this is a tricky thing because when we are relying on prayer and prayer alone, then we have relegated our... Um, our responsibility to co-labor down to just prayer. Oh, I'm co-laboring with God. I'm praying. And then you don't do anything but pray. You stay in your house and you pray. That's all you do. We need prayer. That's a spiritual truth. We need it. But when we place prayer up on this pedestal of co-laboring, that's how I co-labor in the, with God is by prayer. Then there's a lot of other stuff that we're missing here. We're placing prayer ahead of everything else. And all of a sudden, you've created a pretty safe place for you to function from, a pretty safe place for you to live life from. Because now you don't have to get out there in the scary world where people are. You have prayer, and that's your way you co-labor. And if you can stay behind the walls of prayer, and all I do is pray, 
and never speak to another human about anything, uh, then you're not really shining Jesus. Prayer was a part of Jesus' life, but it wasn't the only part. He certainly reacted with the world in a much larger and more broad capacity. If we're going to shine Jesus to the world, if we're going to represent him and represent him to the world, it needs to be on a bigger scale of co-laboring than just prayer. And I think that there are groups of people, probably groups of people in this church, that have said my co-laboring aspect is by prayer and prayer alone. Co-laboring is prayer. That is 100% true, but it's also other things. It's also representing him everywhere we go, that we are that vendor of heaven, that we are HS positive, that when we walk into a place, Holy Spirit is walking in, that we don't have a junior Holy Spirit in here. We got senior. We got the top guy. He's walking in with us. And when we say, no, I'm comfortable in my prayer closet, I'm not taking it anywhere but that, then we're playing it pretty safe. And I want to, I want to uh, throw out that idea to you that maybe we've exalted prayer a little bit too high when we consider what co-laboring is. And co-laboring is God with man on the earth. Co-laboring is all throughout the Bible. Very seldom do you see God doing anything apart from us. Even when he's doing things like parting the sea, it still took faith from someone here on earth. I mean, these are things, this is how he prefers to function, is incorporating us into the equation. That's what he enjoys doing. When we're involved, that's his preferred method of reaching the world. How many of you know that he could show up tomorrow and get the world saved on his own? He's pretty capable of handling that. But that's not how he set it up because when we don't, don't do any co-laboring, when we just do prayer, faith is not important in our lives anymore. Faith is not an aspect that we have to, to live from anymore. We have to be continually examining our lives and saying, okay, is faith even important to me? I mean, would I, could I continue on living the way I'm living if I had zero faith that God wanted to do anything in my life or through me? I think for a lot of us, the answer is yes. You guys know I like prayer, right? (laughs) I just want to throw out the idea that there's more sitting in here than you may realize. That there's a bigger role than you may think you have to play. How many of you are scared right now? (laughs) I am a little bit. When you realize the presence of God is in here and that when we're spending hours and hours and days and days of praying for revival and actually revival has already come and it's sitting right here inside of me so that I can release it in Lowe's or Walmart or anywhere my foot goes, that is a really scary idea that we have that big of a role to play. And it's so much easier to push uh, the the you know, the discipline of co-laboring onto someone else. Oh, God, send revival. Send someone to them, God. You are the answer. You've got every answer right here in your hands. You've got Holy Spirit right here ready to jump onto someone, right? The, I felt like God, actually, I'm going to wrap it up here, but um, I felt like God gave me a cool picture of co-laboring um, a few months back, or maybe, I guess it was just a month ago, um, we went to a little, um, oh man, who was the guy who's, who taught? He does the tattoo interpretations. What's his name? Doug Addison. Doug Addison. We saw Doug Addison speak, and um, 
and I'm sitting there in worship, and there's this special needs kid in the crowd, and um, you can tell that he, um, maybe Down syndrome or uh, preemie or something, I'm not sure what was going on, but he, he was special needs, and he wasn't quite all there, but he, was, he wanted to participate in worship. And so from time to time, he would go over and blow this huge shofar. <laughs> it's like all of a sudden in worship, and I'm just like, all right, this is, this is a crazy environment. Well, after he does it, like the second time, him and I make eye contact, and I go, and he gets this big grin on his face like, I did it. I'm doing it. I'm participating. And then all of a sudden, I'm getting this download from God. I'm like, okay, God, I'm not special needs, but... My understanding is limited uh, compared to his ways. Obviously, there's a correlation there that maybe I don't understand everything that's going on around me, but I have a role to play. When that kid is blowing his shofar and he looks over at me and I'm giving him a thumbs up and he gets this big grin on his face, I just felt like Papa's saying, that's our co-laboring aspect. When you go out and you bring your risk to the occasion, You bring what you know how to do. There's no pressure to do what you don't know how to do. Just bring your boldness and your risk and rely on simple truth that he's healer, that I have him sitting in here, and we come out and we take a risk. That's all we bring is our boldness. Then he's sitting back there giving us that thumbs up. (laughs) It's a simple fatherly thing. It's like he loves to mix it up with us that way. He loves to relate with us in that way, where obviously he could step in and have someone more qualified. We could have let the worship team handle all of that, but he wanted to see his kid blow that shofar because he was co-laboring with, with God in that moment. That's all we bring. It's really way simpler than we think it is. We bring our faith and our boldness. He brings the rest. He brings the encounter. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. That's it. A record time. Yeah. Yeah, man. Hey, so I'm Bill, and a couple things I want to just mention for you, and then maybe we'll ask the Lord to uh, impart some stuff here, if that sounds okay. That's good. Um, First thing is that uh, you don't have to be in the school to do any of the stuff that David's talking about. Wait a second, Bill. I don't know about this. Okay, you don't have to be in the school right now. Okay, you could actually start before the next school year starts. But, yes. uh, so I just wanted to say that because Thank really you. what you can do is just go watch somebody who's doing it or ask some questions. It's not complicated. Mm-hmm. It's really Jesus and love. And as far as the encounter goes, I think it's important to say that we've all had our baseline encounter if we know Jesus, if we know God, Right. If you haven't had that baseline encounter, that's a whole other conversation, and that's really important. And we can talk to you about that today after service wraps up. Be glad to. But if you've had that baseline encounter, I'm going to tell you just a quick 20-second story of how I can see that, okay, I've had the baseline encounter, but I still got some stuff in there that God's trying to hit me over the head and get out of me. I was in Target on, uh, on Friday, and... Uh, I'm at lunch, you know, I'm trying to get back to work. I'm already late, been out of a doctor's appointment and blah, blah, blah. And the gal who's showing me where what I need is, I don't know, she said, I I don't hear very well, but she said something. She's walking on my bad side and she said something. I'm like, what? And she goes, oh, these allergies, they're just killing me. And I even walked around the other side to make sure I heard it right. And then I didn't pray for it. And I was like, you know, I got to the park and I was like, you know, I mean, it was just a, it was a head slap moment because it was right there. Why did I not do that? And it's because I cared more about my agenda. I mean, you go right back to the 
Samaritan thing. You know, the guys passing by on the way, wherever they were going, that was me. And I, I, I looked at it and I hated it. And I said, okay, so God, what is it? He said, well, you didn't love her. I love mm. her. That's good. But you loved what you were doing more than you wanted to love her. Mm. And that's all it takes. And all I would have had to say is, hey, you know, there's no allergies in heaven. Are you all right if I just pray for you and ask some of that heaven to come down here right now? It's that simple. Mm-hmm. But I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. So what I want to ask the Holy Spirit to do right now, if it's okay with you guys, just to wrap up, is to ask him to just touch whatever it is yeah. in our heart. You know, the gift of faith, Dave says we bring our faith. That's a gift from God. Mm-hmm. It's clear in Scripture. God gives us the faith, right? Yeah. And he is love. And the more we become like him as he's sanctifying us, right, the more love is going to start to leak out of us, splash out of us, get on everybody all around us. That's where I want to get to. Mm. I still got a long way to go. Good stuff. But are you guys okay just inviting the Holy Spirit to come right now and talk to us for a few seconds and then we'll wrap up? Yep. All right, let's, let's do, that. do that. Lord, we just invite your presence right now. Holy Spirit, we ask that you come. And uh, just for each person here, Lord, that you would show them what you want to do in their heart right now, Lord, if you want to pour out some more love, if you want to Stir up that love encounter thing, God. Mm. Yes, Lord. I asked you to do that, God. Holy Spirit, just stir up love. And show each one what's in the way of love for them. By your grace, Lord, just affirm that each one has the strength walking with you to overcome it. It's a choice. It's a change of thinking. Lord, just light a fuse. Light a fuse so that your love goes off. Maybe it's a sparkler the first time, a firecracker. Let's get to dynamite, Lord. Dunamos, your power. Mm. Come, Holy Spirit, come in power. Release your power and your love through each person here. I ask, Lord, that for each one here who's saying yes to you right now, that you would give them an opportunity this week and a grace to be love to a person. Mm -hmm. In Jesus' name, amen. If you guys are asking what qualifies me, just felt like that might be a question in here. He qualified you, that's right? right? That's all that matters. If I'm qualified because he says so, put your hope in that. Don't put your hope in, in your own ability or your own experience. Rest on his qualification. He wouldn't have told us to go and do these things, and he wouldn't have set the standard and the example he did if it wasn't available for us to have. And you want to talk about fun when <laughs> you do it? Yeah. And he shows up, which he does. People feel loved, and you're like, whoa, whoa, this is fun. Yeah. It's what we were made for. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Even when you, man, I guess you're right, sweetie. I don't stop. Even, (laughs) even (laughs) Even when you mess up, it's still fun. People, how many times do, do people approach you and say, hey, I feel like God wanted to encourage you today. That's a big deal to people. So don't put all this pressure to do it perfectly. Just get out there and practice. It's a lot of fun. That's what freedom is. When fear isn't a big deal in your life anymore, then you're experiencing freedom. All right.